Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. The next 10 minutes are inspired by a parking spot and a flight problem. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the engine. When I was 19 and going to Cal, I was on the rowing team, and I had a good friend, Rob Curran. Rob was very bright. He he grew up in Seattle. He was very well-read, and he said something one time that really stuck with me. So we would eat at this place called the I-House, the International House, and the, the large swath of international students stayed there, and as such, they had a really good variety of food. And again, it was like a, you know, dorm cafeteria, but it was... It was a lot better. The quality was better. It wasn't just standard, you know, burgers and cereal. So that's where we would generally get our meal plans. But parking up at the I house was really tough. And one day we were coming back from practice and we were exhausted, just done. It was like 9.30, 10 in the morning. We had been up since 5.30, just killing ourselves. It was a Saturday and we were going to try to get breakfast at the I house. And parking was terrible. You know, Berkeley's, Berkeley's a tough place to park. And Rob pulled up into one of the spots out front that was red for no particular reason, just on the curb. It's not like there was a fire hydrant. It wasn't right next to a handicapped parking spot. There was no discernible reason why why the curb should be painted red. And Rob was so smoked, he just pulled up and he's like, I'm parking here right now. <laughs> We're like, Rob, what are you doing? He's like, ah, it's social rebellion. I'm not, I'm not taking this anymore. And we kind of laughed about it. I wasn't going to argue with him. He was driving. And we went up, had our breakfast, came down. Rob did not have a ticket, and he went on his merry way. And that stuck with me because that was probably the first time in my life where I saw someone articulate clearly that they were rebelling against what was expected of them in good conscience. So don't get me wrong. It's not like I hadn't broken rules before. Right? I was a 19-year-old and I was sloppy and messy and, you know, whatever. I was a normal 19-year-old. But I never outwardly stood up straight and said, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And just left it at that. It wasn't something I had done. And when I saw Rob do it, obviously, I mean, that was half of my lifetime ago. It, it stuck with me big time. And after that, I started thinking about more places where where the my community or my you know those close to me have demonstrated this very clear sense of social rebellion which is hey look I'm I'm not going to do that a good friend of mine his name's Mark he was a conscientious objector in the Vietnam War and just said I'm there's nothing you can do to get me to go to war over there and you know, he had his reasons. I'm not saying I would I would do the exact same thing. My dad fought in Vietnam, but it was clear that Mark was not an idiot and he wasn't, you know, just being goofy. He genuinely objected and did not want to put his life on the line for something he objected. That was a huge one. Um, I've heard people talk about taxation in this way as well. People just say, look, I do not believe in this tax. I'm not going to pay it. That's a really tough one for me because I pay all of my taxes, every dollar, be it credit card or Venmo or cash or whatever. I always declare my money. And 
to see somebody say, I'm not going to do that, but not do it in a slimy way. Like, hey, look, I don't want to pay these taxes. Don't tell anyone. It was more of, hey, look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not participating in this. And it's crazy. It's crazy to see that happen. And, and I wonder about those kinds of decisions, this really clear sense of social rebellion. And a friend of mine, a very dear friend, he's Canadian, he asked me recently, he said, look, what, what is it about the United States and U.S. citizens that produces this mentality that makes it okay to just not do what you're supposed to do? And I had to think about that for a while because I said, look, I mean, what exactly are you talking about? Because I'm a U.S. citizen and I, I very much do what I'm supposed to do. I, I follow the law. And there are, you know, perhaps times when I, I wiggle a little bit on it. Like there was, I think, a week when we were supposed to be in lockdown over July that I, that I let students come to class. But, you know, there, there are varying degrees of this. It's not fair to say that U.S. citizens in general don't do what they're supposed to do. But I think it really goes deeper than that. It goes deeper in, one, it's kind of what our country was founded on. Because at some point, the citizens in the colonies just said, you know what? No. No more. And I'm not trying to emphasize it's your patriotic duty to say that and at all. But there is some validity to say, look, that was kind of the that was kind of the impetus. And there are other aspects of this that make it a better strategy. Malcolm Gladwell actually wrote a, a fantastic book and um, several actually. And in one of them, he outlines the distinction between a Korean airline and a U.S. airline. And one of the Korean airlines was struggling enormously with risks, right? So literally they had something like 10 times more, 10 times more crashes than, than U.S. airlines, the average U.S. airline. And people were trying to figure out why, because it wasn't lack of skill. The pilots that, that the Korean airline was employing, the pilots were, were tremendous, not, excuse me, not hundreds, but thousands of hours of flying. Thousands, I mean, incredibly skilled, very well trained. But for some reason, they were producing way more crashes, plane crashes and deaths as a result. And what it came down to is that there is a far greater degree of respect for authority in Korean culture. And I know that sounds like it might be, it might be impossible to be the answer, but what they realized is the co-pilots, the subordinates to the, to the head pilot, they would see problems as, as anybody in, in an airplane, I presume, would. I mean, that's why we have pilots and co-pilots and, and different people. We have, you know, not just one set of eyes or one opinion, but many sets of eyes and people trying to problem solve. So the lower downs, the subordinates would see problems, but the level of respect and reverence they had for the head pilot prevented them from making an objection, prevented them from saying, hey, I don't, this is not a good idea. Stop what you're doing. 
And because of that, they would go through, they would analyze, and in the book it obviously analyzed, and, and uh, you know, international flight authorities analyzed these crashes and realized that the co-pilots in the times they survived or if they recovered the black box, they would see issues but hesitate from objecting. And that led down a path of mistakes that ultimately landed the plane on the ground and just crashed. When they changed this, it started saving lives. They actually had to retrain the pilots, the Korean airline pilots, to be far more aggressive and less respectful of the head pilot. They had to completely buck the, hey, you're above me mentality, or hey, I'm going to do whatever you say without question mentality. Because in the moments when people started seeing problems that the head pilot didn't see or the head pilot didn't agree with, they started saying, no, 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 we cannot do that. And it started saving lives. And I think if you take it all together, I think you see that, yes, there are aspects of social rebellion, as, as my friend Rob put it, and civil disobedience that are frustrating. A hundred percent. You have people making, you know, masks out of crocheted material that don't do anything or people just denying that masks work completely. And look, I'm not a scientist. If somebody out there is like, yeah, but masks don't work, Matt. Fine. Look, I don't know for sure, but it's, it sounds like they do. Okay. It sounds like they help at least a little bit. If I sneeze into a mask, that's far better than me sneezing just into the air. That's, that's common sense. And there are aspects of people not wearing them that's really lame in my mind. Where it's like, look, we can just, mm, it's a tiny thing. It's a tiny thing. But the foundation of that behavior, the belief that you don't have to subordinate yourself completely to a higher-up authority is one that I think is deeply ingrained in the United States and does save lives. You see it everywhere in the media. You see it in TV shows. You see it in our history. You see it in real-world events. There is a very real sense of individual action and weighing the pros and cons of not doing what the authority figures tell you to. And taking that into account. And it's celebrated. It's celebrated in U.S. culture. I think this is a difficult thing for perhaps other people to understand. And certainly my friend who's from Canada, he didn't really get it. But it's a double-edged sword. I think there are downsides, but there are also wonderful sides to it. And what the right thing to do is, I have no idea. Germany is going back on lockdown. My friend living there said it's about, it can probably be about five months. Germany did everything right. They shut down everything. He was there at, right at the end of February when Germany got and started getting shut down. He's been there this whole time. He said they went so hard and just abolished it. Abolished the Rona, right? And COVID was gone. And now they're going back on lockdown. There's no right way to manage this. There's no right way to do it. Even if you follow the instructions to the T, it doesn't mean that we're all going to be fine and that all of the businesses will open back up and we're, we're going to be great. So it's very difficult and frustrating to see people not listening, but we also have to recognize 
that that type of behavior may save lives too. It may save lives and people from, you know, committing suicide, being so alone at home they just can't go outside and they say, forget it. Whatever the cost is to me, fine. And it's a terrible thing to consider. Then it's like, well, you're not just taking your life into consideration. You're taking other people's lives into consideration. And I think that's real and I think that's valuable. But the bottom line is this rebellion, this rebellious sense of action, it's to some degree part of American culture. And it's very, very difficult to say if it always produces bad results. Wear your masks. Take care of yourself. But recognize that I don't think you're going to stop Americans from being rebellious. I'm Matt Todd, and this is the union that drives me. Go out and crush it. <laughs>